Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Empty again for the Huskers. Snap back. Casey looking, stepping, throwing for the end zone. Man out there. Brody Belt. Touchdown. Nebraska. Brody Belt's first career touchdown. Yes. Brody right down the middle of the field. Casey Thompson threw a dime. Well, Thompson was good tonight. 23 of 34, 318 yards and a touchdown. Problem was... His defense could not help a third worst all-time 642 yards of total offense given up by the Nebraska defense, 409 passing, 233 on the ground. They averaged 7.5 yards of play. Did Georgia Southern, they averaged 7.8 yards per rush. Did Georgia Southern. And I don't have my turnover numbers in front of me, but uh, Nebraska, when they win the turnover margin, since 2007. Uh-oh. When winning the turnover margin. you got to click on the right folder here, dummy. <laughs> uh, when winning the turnover margin. Nebraska, since 2007. 2008, I'm sorry. First year of Bo Pelini. 48 and 6. When now, winning the turnover margin. Now 48 and 7. And I'm looking through my records. Do you have the plus two number on there? I'm looking through my records. You're, we're on the same wavelength, my friend. Uh, they were plus two at Ohio State in 2018, the near upset. Okay. They were plus two in that game, lost. They were plus two last year at Minnesota. They were plus two tonight against Georgia Southern, but had zero of their own. Of their own. That's a big deal. Lost. Yeah. 402-951-1620. Back to the Lus Hills Harley-Davidson hotline. John Bishop, Ravi Lula tonight on Big Red Overreaction with Matt. Good afternoon, Matt, or evening or night or whatever the hell it is. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. Tell you what. I mean, the offense tonight, I sat there and watched there uh, in West Stadium, and I thought the offense played pretty damn good. But... This defense, I tell you what, I don't know who the hell's coaching these kids, but, I mean, I could have drove several trucks down that center of that line. And, of course, they're running back. I mean, before the half was over, had 120-plus yards on five carries. I mean, we ain't going to win a damn thing with letting a team that doesn't even run the ball decent most of the time. I mean, they're more of a throwing team than anything. Let them gain that many yards. Secondly, who was teaching these cornerbacks? I mean, I thought there were several plays on these cornerbacks where they, if they'd have just turned their head, they could have had a pick or a breakup or what have you. I mean, they're just, they're just horrible. I have not seen a defense this horrible in this program in a long time. And I just, it's, it's just pathetic. I don't, I don't know. I mean, this, I heard somebody else say earlier tonight, 
we're lucky we're only going to get one win. I totally believe that. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, how in the hell do you give up 600 yards and think you're going to ever win anything? And as far as Frost leaving, he should have never been hired in the first place. That was a horrible hire. We'd have been, we'd have been better to just put a freaking bowl of mashed potatoes in his head to coach. <laughs> Now, Matt, I know there's a lot of people out there. Thanks for the call. There's going to be a lot of revisionist historians that said, I never wanted this in the first place. Man, you people were so damn quiet. And maybe maybe it was because you knew you were swimming upstream, but come on. Everybody wanted this guy. Just damn near everybody wanted this guy. They thought it was a can't-miss hire. I thought it was a can't-miss hire. That's why the story is so intriguing and bizarre and frustrating all at the same time. That's why it's so frustrating. Because everybody thought this was going to work. I don't right. care what you said now or what anybody says now. The consensus was that this was going to work and that this was the right hire. Yeah. I was more hesitant than most, and I thought it was a home run. I looked at the resume. I said, it's a little light. He didn't call plays the whole time at Oregon. He's only got two years of head coaching experience at the group of five level. UCF was not the turnaround that most people thought it to be in terms of, yes, they did go 0-12, but that was a really talented team both before and after he got there. Okay? So I acknowledged all those things, and I still thought it was the right hire because it was the right hire. Just because it didn't work out doesn't mean it wasn't the right hire at the time. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the other guys that were available, maybe they could have gotten Elaine Kiffin out of FAU, but that would have been taking a huge risk because he hadn't reestablished his credibility yet. You could have taken Mike, Bill Moose could have brought Mike Leach with him from Washington State. That probably would have been the most established candidate yeah. in terms of a winning record and, and building programs that you could have gotten. But people would have lost their minds around here if, if they had chosen Mike Leach over Scott Frost. It was the only hire Bill Moose could make. Yeah, and, and, and you can say, hey, maybe that was a mistake in that you didn't open your mind up to other things. But again, it seemed like it was a, it was a sure thing. He had the right... Pedigree, and not just because he was a Nebraska guy, but because of who he coached who under, who he coached and, under, who he coached with, yes. the success that he had had, and we thought his understanding of what it took to win here because he went through it, and he saw it firsthand. He saw the work that had to be put in and the kind of work that had to be put in by Tom Osborne and that staff that he would understand that, while at the same time understanding the modern game and how it needed to change and how it couldn't just be I formation, fullback trap, blah, 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 that, you know, it seemed like it was the perfect package. Here's a scenario that I don't think I've heard anyone consider about, because you mentioned that his time at Nebraska, I think, was obviously one of the most appealing factors about him. Yes, he had the pedigree as a coach, um, even if it was a little lighter than you know, some of the resumes you see of guys getting hired at big-time Power 5 jobs. But you mentioned we assumed he understood what it took to get things done here. Is it possible that everyone around him or most of the people around him understood what it took to get things done here and he was kind of just along for the ride? Not to say he wasn't right. good, not to say that he wasn't contributing and a, and a key player on those teams, but... He did transfer in. He wasn't here his whole time. Right. Um, and But at the same time, his dad played here. His mom coached sure. track and field here. I mean, he knew. Well, listen, he knew. Or he should have. He should have. 
But think about, listen, and I'm not trying to bring old things up. Think about sure. some of the things that we heard about him during his time at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Is it possible he never really understood? And we just assumed he did. Yeah. Because Maybe. that's what it looks like now. Yeah. What it looks like now is that he never really got what it took to win here. And that brings me back to the accountability thing. Because that was a, a key component of the 90s Huskers, right? That's one it's of the key, it was a key it's a key component of any successful of any organization. Success, yeah. Sports, business, whatever, right? But especially those 90s Huskers, to the point where, you know, listen to Damon talk, listen to any of the ex-Huskers talk from that time period. The coaches didn't even have to keep them accountable. They kept each other accountable, which is the highest form on a team, in my opinion, mm-hmm. of accountability is where the coaches don't even have to do it anymore because it's so ingrained within the system. I'm going to use the word culture here. So ingrained within the culture of a program that that's how things are done. You keep each other accountable to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. It's still possible to be a part of that or be in that and not understand that that's why it's working. And maybe that's what we saw here with Scott Frost. Because that's the only thing I can think of at this point. Or maybe it's an arrogance thing and he thought he was thought he could outsmart the system that he came up in. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he thought his offensive system was so good that it would work no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 402-951-1620. Thanks for waiting, Martin. We appreciate you being on Big Red Overreaction. Oh, hey, hey, guys. How's it going? Um, you know, I, I think it's ironic that you just use the term arrogance because I think it's absolute arrogance. And bear with me for a minute. Um, my question is, is we've had so many things to consider firing Scott Frost for. Um, but in watching tonight's game, I'm questioning whether or not he watches the game because that second-to-last drive, when his running back, save for one carry from Gabe Irvin, is averaging six yards a game, and there's four and a half, five minutes on the clock, why are they even throwing the ball and giving Georgia Southern time? I mean, I texted my buddy at, like, 9.54. Does Frost want to give them time to score a touchdown? I mean, why throw the ball? Just get down yourself in scoring position. Scott Frost has lost this. He doesn't even watch the game. He's an arrogant, egocentric coach, and mm-hmm. and he absolutely has to go. Thank you. Martin, appreciate it. By the way, there is still nothing out there yet, if you're wondering, but uh, there are former Huskers who are weighing in. Fabian Washington. Yep tweeted, if I was Scott Frost, I would resign and bow out humbly. This is bad, bad. There were follow-up tweets from Fabian Washington as well. Oh, were there? Uh, one about an hour after that one. Uh-oh. Get Scott Frost the blank out of my building. Embarrassing. Hmm. 402-951-1620. If Scott Frost has a friend left whose name is not Matt Davison, I don't know who it is at this point. <laughs> And, and, and I should make clear, I, I, it's not like I'm sitting back here and, you know, laughing, guffaw. Listen, it doesn't, these things don't affect me as I am as I know it is a, affects most, if not all of you. I have a different mindset when it comes to Nebraska football. I'm not John of 25 years ago where I, you know, was, you know. I, living and dying. Living and dying, yeah. right? I mean, my my age and callousness has has usurped me. Um, but at the same time, I'm, 
I'm not happy that this didn't work out. No, none of us and are. I'm not, I'm not happy to see Scott Frost walk away with his tail between his legs. I'm not even happy to be right. Right. Like, I listen, I Josh and I, I think we're some of the most early adopters on this is not working. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. At least publicly? I'm not happy to be right. Nebraska's a more fun place to live when the football team is good. Yes. Full stop. Not even doing radio. Not even... You know, doing overreactions with you or whatever. It mm-hmm. is a more fun place to exist when the football team is good. I think like a lot of kids that grow up here, like we've, I'm sure, both gone through the like crying after loss is part of our life yeah. when we were kids. Yes. And like probably a little older Balled than my we... eyes out when Nebraska <laughs> lost to Florida State at the end of the game in 1980. Probably. You weren't even around yet. I wasn't around yet. I was negative seven. They fumbled the ball on the three-yard line. But, you know, very sad. probably shed some tears for Nebraska football even later into our lives than we'd care to admit. Because we do care. And like I said, I don't even like being right here. I don't even like the fact that... I had to come to a place where I this guy that I thought was a home run hire, mm-hmm. even though I had a little bit of hesitancy, still thought was a great hire. I don't like the fact that we're sitting here four and a half years later being like, well, who's next? Yeah. And I love a coaching search. Coaching searches are so much fun, right. like just in, in general. But but we're not used to wanting to start one of these things after in game September. three. This isn't, and I'm not even talking about a Nebraska coaching search. I love any coaching search, sure. any high-profile job. They're just fun for me. So I like coming up with names and whatever. It's a weird thing that I like to do. But it's the middle of September, not even. Every, I mean, we're There's not 20 even. 20 days left in this month. We still have three weeks until the buyout drops. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought like, oh, that's early. When that when the news came out. Now it like, feels like it's. An eternity. Yeah, it feels like, you know. Waiting for next summer to arrive. No one's happy about this, about this working out this way. No one. But this is what it is, and I'm not going to. I think everybody's over it at this point, but I, I refuse to be labeled as negative for just observing the obvious. Yeah, this isn't being negative, ladies and gentlemen. This is obs- this is obvious. It's obvious to the world. The only people it's not obvious to are the people who are so blinded and have been making excuses. I mean. Honestly, and that's what I'm not about. The, the I'm not first, about the excuses. No, the first red flare went up for me the day he was hired. Now I didn't, I didn't think, oh, this isn't going to work the first day. But when one of the first things he said to the media after the scrum was, "Well, you got to stay away from my family," I'm like, "Wait a minute, where's your head right now?" And then just, just the the constant refrain of, "Well, those guys didn't lift weights," or you know, "Those coaches were bad. They, they ran this I mean, program into the ground." I think it's we like, heard Riley excuses into year three. And then it was COVID excuses. There was no point to it. Yes, we knew the Riley era sucked, but but yours sucks more. Take responsibility. That's why I keep coming back to accountability because this man from day one has not taken responsibility for a damn thing. Right. You You bring up the failures of the people that precede you when you don't have a plan. Honestly, what a real leader would have done was say, obviously it didn't work out the way Mike Riley wanted it to. We appreciate the time he put in at Nebraska. We appreciate he's left us some really good players. Or don't even say anything. Or don't it. even acknowledge it. But if you have to say something about him, you take the classy way out. Yep. That's the Nebraska way. Well, that's that's just that's that's just common sense. It's just common sense. 
and it, and it's but if you can't take responsibility for your own actions and you can't take accountability for your own action cuz here's the thing if you're the head football coach of any program in the country everything that happens under your watch is at least 1% either you're to blame or you get credit for mm-hmm. at least 1% and usually a lot more yeah right but your job as a leader is to own your portion of what happened and usually other people's portions as well and you take that on and you fix it mm-hmm. right but you can't fix anything until you acknowledge that something has gone wrong right. and that you played a role in that going wrong and 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 the point that he wouldn't even bring himself to acknowledge he was still saying, hey, our culture here is great, and and this is the best leadership we've had, and this is the most together team that we've ever had. It, it, he's so he's honestly he's so blinded. He's, blinded. He's, yeah. he's so blinded by the thing that's actually hurting him. What was hurting him wasn't the fact that he was calling plays. What wasn't hurting him wasn't that that – you know, he didn't have an offensive coordinator. He wasn't more of a CEO. He needed to get down into the mind. The reason why you lose so many one-score games is because at the end of the day, you're too weak to be able to handle it. Not physically weak necessarily, but mentally weak. That's why every— And that's culture. That's culture. And that's why everything has looked the same yet different. Every yes. loss, while they've come in different ways— has been a direct result of self-inflicted errors for the most part. Yeah. You take out the Ohio States, who are just clearly better. But I'm talking about games that you should win. Your Northwesterns, your Illinois, at least half of the Minnesota games. These, these games that you should win, the Rutgers, like those losses are almost all self-inflicted. And that is a direct result of you can't look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I need to do this better. This is where I need to get better. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't do that as a head coach and as a leader, your players won't do that. No. That's where this your all players starts. players take on the That's personality why, of your coach. I mean, it's I think I think Doug hit on it with the uh with the weird defensive back offside. Yeah. These are things you allow to happen because you don't hold people to a standard that must be held. And it's because you don't hold yourself to that standard. Right. It has always felt like Scott Frost felt like something was happening to him instead of he was making things happen. That's the difference between a leader and a follower. You can throw all this alpha whatever BS out there and seem macho and seem like a tough guy. It's fake. It's fake tough guy crap. Yeah. It obviously hasn't worked, and I'm convinced that that's the reason why. Here is Chris. Hi, Chris. You're on Big Red Overreaction. Hey, John, Robbie, how you guys doing? We're fine. I do not envy you guys tonight. (laughs) Hey, uh, I just want to say, though, that one thing that I haven't heard from anybody else tonight is that we do have an entire season ahead of us. Um, Are we burying this guy too early? It's only three games in. It's not three games in. We're 47 games in. 47, 47 games, in. games in, man. 16 and 31, right? Yep. Yeah, 16 and 31. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. hey, well, wow, I Chris, you were really you were about to hit all the play all the hits there. 
I was about to get hot, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just, I was just messing with you. Hey, I, I do have a serious question, though. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard anybody's mentioning Bill O'Brien. I like Bill uh, O'Brien. I've heard some rumors about him, and I think he'd be a great hire. So, have you guys heard anything about Bill O'Brien? Well, he's right all? now. He's at Alabama right now. I know they talked a little bit about it during the the broadcast today that you know he's going to end up coaching somewhere. And I agree. I think he's going to be back They're... in the college or maybe even the NFL at some point. I would, I would love to see him on a relatively short list for this job. There were rumors last year when it seemed like Frost was going to get fired that he was pretty high on Trev's list. I don't know the validity of those rumors, but it was kind of in the ether. Um, Bill O'Brien checks a lot of my boxes. He's got head coaching experience both in the Big Ten and obviously at the NFL level. Right. He's got high power five um, offensive coordinator experience. Obviously, he's got high-level offensive coordinator experience in the NFL as well. He checks a lot of my boxes in terms of what I would be looking for in a next guy. I think Bill O'Brien is a very viable candidate. And he took a he took as toxic a situation as has ever existed in college sports, and he made a program a winner at Penn State in the wake of the Sandusky paternal crap. They went to two straight bowl games under him yeah. in a situation where it seemed like they might not win a game for a couple years. Right. No, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, I think, would be a great, great hire. 402 951 1620. Tonight's show brought to you by Burton, plumbing, heating, and AC, and more. When your plumbing's hurting, just call Burton. By Coors Light, keeping Nebraska chill, and by Equitable Bank, we take banking personally. John and Ravi back in just a moment on 1620 The Zone and 1019 The Keg. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.